Welcome to the Building a Story Brand Podcast. My name is Donald Miller. Before we get started, I want to know if you have a problem. And the problem is, do you feel like your website should be converting better than it is? That is, should people be going to your website and then buying something from you? You spent all that money on it, you worked really hard, but they're just not engaging. We have a workshop called the Story Brand Marketing Workshop. You can attend it live in Nashville. You can buy our online version of it, or you can even hire one of our facilitators to come out and meet with your team. The goal of this workshop, by the time we're done, is that you would have a clear message for your brand, and that message can translate into all matter of marketing collateral, your website, your elevator pitch, keynotes, taglines that would go on business cards. I mean everything. I'm telling you, this process works. Listen to Jamie E. from Big Stuff Camps. He says, the messaging on our website wasn't clear. After leaving the workshop, we immediately made some simple, easy changes to our website. Since we've started implementing those changes online, our registration numbers have increased by more than 50% from last year. I'm telling you, if you clarify your message, it's the key to growing your business. If you are struggling getting your message clear, visit storybrand.com, register for an online workshop, Come see us live or hire one of our facilitators to come out and meet with your team. Storybrand.com. Welcome to the Building a Story Brand podcast, where we believe if you confuse, you'll lose. Noise is the enemy, and creating a clear message is the best way to grow your business. JJ, it's good to be back. Great to be with you as well. Well, today we're going to be talking about sales. Yes. Something that every human being Hates. loves. Oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> is that no? That's not where we were going with it? No? <laughs> I was going to be sarcastic, because I'm actually with you. I don't think people like to, no. like to sell. Uh, uh-huh. But there's some things that we can learn about selling that yeah. if, if even if everybody in our company understands these basic fundamental mm-hmm. kind of rules of, of selling, you're just going to sell more product and, yeah. you, and you get to live off the residual of, <laughs> of learning these four or five yeah. tips. And love it, it and move from hate to love. Exactly. I think this is one of those episodes that if you run a business, you want everybody in your business to listen to this one because we have on the podcast today, Nicole Walters. Nicole, uh, she was big head salesperson at a big giant Fortune 500 healthcare company, uh-huh. Quit her job. She actually quit her job on Periscope. Yes. Like she, she did it live. <laughs> she did it live in front of 10,000 followers. In front of 10,000 people. <laughs> and she started her own company. Yeah. It's like, I think she's like, the company's 17 months old. She's already over a million dollars. Yeah. She's fantastic. Yeah. And she's a wonderful interview. So I think you're going to get a lot out of this uh, this episode. But I'm curious, what was your first sales job? Because you're a pretty good sales guy. <laughs> <laughs> I think you sales? are. Sales? Okay, so do you remember when... I don't know if you did this, but when you were in grade school and you had to like raise money for your school, yeah, yeah, yeah. we had to go around with these booklets and sell like gold. Like, C- remember gold? Yeah, C- coupon yeah, yeah. Books? yeah we, like, we did gold C coupon books. Well, we did like it was like you had to sell CDs or calendars or boxes of candy, and I knew. That if I would go to church, because my dad was the pastor, if I went to church, uh, yeah, I you're could gonna sell. Clean up. Yeah, yeah, your yeah. dad's the pastor. Yeah, and I could sell all the old ladies in the church all of the Elvis CDs. <laughs> like <laughs> that was like my target market. It was women over sixty with Elvis. Like I just knew every time they probably bought the same Elvis CD from me like ten There's times. A sale. I think Nicole gets to this in the interview. She talks about knowing your market. Like, knowing- <laughs> <laughs> I knew my market. No. I knew all of the grandmas in my church would buy Elvis CDs. My very first sales experience, and I, I probably shouldn't say this, but my mom was in charge of her company picnic. She worked for mm-hmm. an oil company in south of Houston, and yeah. she did the big 
picnic barbecue thing and uh-huh. and, and so she created a raffle one year and she brought home like a reel like a film reel of yeah, raffle yeah. tickets yep. you know what I mean like uh-huh. those little like pick them up yep. and my buddy Roy I think we're like nine years old my buddy Roy and I figured out I don't know how we figured this out it was very like Huck Finn <laughs> kind of deal but we figured out we could sell these raffle tickets if uh-huh. we pretended to be with the catholic church and no. went door to door no i know we no. sold them for a dollar we were like oh we're with you know uh, such and such we just made up a, a catholic church i think we sold like four dollars oh my god and you could win a tv you know like oh that's on the public record i don't know now. if that's sales or th- Oh, it's not. No, no, it's not stealing. I mean, we did, they, they did get a raffle ticket. <laughs> they did. Yes. Yes, they did. What did you buy with that money? Do you remember what you bought with the money? Fishing equipment. Did you? Yeah, we would buy like, well, fishing lures. Teach a man to fish. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, isn't that, that's biblical. I feel, I, I actually, I'm 45 years old. I just now feel bad about Do that because I didn't even think about well, that. Well, you kind of should. Yeah. You kind of should. Technically, though, <laughs> nobody really stole from them because it was a made-up Catholic church. So it's not like there was an entity that was guilty. Yeah. Let's just not no, think about it too much. No, it doesn't, it doesn't much. work that way. You, yeah. you're, you were a little Well, thief. I don't know. Take it up with the Pope. You know? <laughs> Have you ever had a good experience with somebody selling to you? What to does that me? look like? Yeah. Um, well, I think the biggest thing is when I am not angry about sales. Like I think sometimes, you know, when I get a sales call and mm. I don't want it, like when I'm at I always home, say, Hey, can I call you back at yeah, your house? No. Yeah. yeah no, I, it's like, no, I just hang up now. Cause mostly it's robots or like when people are coming to the door, cause it's usually not something I want, mm. but from a, what I would say a good sales perspective is when I walk in somewhere and I'm looking for something specific, I right, want right. to watch mm-hmm. or I'm looking for, or I call and I'm looking for healthcare. Then you being able to like sell me on it, tell me the benefits, tell me the features of what's going on. I actually appreciate those. When I go into even, I hate shopping. I absolutely hate shopping, but like going to a mattress store, they'll tell me the different benefits that the different levels of mattress offer right. and allow me to try them out because it's something I'm already, it's a need that I have. I need to buy a mattress and they So you they like it when me. you've already engaged and there's an agreement. You're not, yeah. nobody's trying to tell you something you don't want. Yeah. Any vacation, I'm a sucker for those. <laughs> the amount <laughs> like of time like- timeshare stuff? Yeah. The amount like of the time- the free toaster? Yeah. You done? You've done that. I, all the time. Are you serious? Yes. You the get, amount of time- free stuff I have for- come so close to buying Hilton memberships in Vegas. <laughs> like, I seriously, I have to take people with me because I will buy them Do every time. Do not take my wife. She will Betsy buy. and I need to go. No, get she, you, we'll yeah, go on vacation stay together. Stay away from my woman. <laughs> but that's, that's the thing. When it comes to travel, if you're going to like call me and talk about travel, I'm in. I will probably buy it. From my you. favorite sales guys were the ones because I used to run a publishing company. It was in my late twenties, and, and all these printing presses would come, and they you know, like bring you stuff and take you out to lunch. But the guys who got my business were the ones who, instead of trying to sell me things, they started acting like a business consultant. Does that make sense? Mm, So they really understood like every aspect of the business, what my goals were with the business and how we could actually save money here. And, you know, did we want to print in China and ship it over and all these kinds of things. They helped me organize my business. So I didn't even think of them as a sales rep. They were more of a partner, which is interesting. We do sales at StoryBrand that way. We we understand the goal is to grow your company, not just have a clear message. Like the point is that you make more revenue and we act as a consultant and all that you ever have any crazy fun experiences like the door-to-door <laughs> i yeah i would say so here's one that i'll you know we you brought up a guilty story earlier is i was it was back when i was doing comedy so when i was home i had a few days like of doing nothing so right and i was in arizona where it was hot so you didn't go outside so like somebody came to my door one day and he wanted to sell me a vacuum cleaner and i was like yeah come on in because you're and lonely i was kind of lonely and my house 
grass was really dirty. Like, let's just be honest about that. And so he'd be like, well, this works on your couch cushions. And I would say, show me. <laughs> and so by the end of the sales pitch, he was there probably an hour. And he cleaned my couch. He got on the this floor and like, this is worse than selling raffle tickets it? to a night. <laughs> is it? <laughs> you use the church. Come on. And so I like, and and here's the truth. The truth is he almost sold me on it. He really did almost sell me on it. Because Does it get hair out of my drain? It did. It did. I will tell you that. That's and um, That's way worse than the raffle I thing. Don't think it's so. more guilty. And so he I he really did. He came through and he almost sold me but the price was like it was like five hundred dollars for this vacuum. It was an amazing vacuum. Wow. And so if it would have been a little bit cheaper, I actually think I would have bought it, but he didn't tell me the price till the end, and I didn't really want it because I was like, just keep cleaning. How do you, but, <laughs> after he's that invested that much, how do you get rid of the guy? I would think he would want to. Uh, awkwardly. <laughs> That's just the reality of it. He was like, yeah, he just spent money. like an hour and a half, and his hopes were really high. And he, I'm like, I'm a comedian. I don't make much money. So. But thank you. I, I love my house right now. You could have paid him back in jokes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they weren't worth it that much then. And I feel you. so bad. Just have a seat. All right. Yeah. Two nuns walk into a bar. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well today's today's <laughs> guest, we actually ran into her. She's from Washington D.C. We ran into her here in Nashville mm-hmm. and became insanely fast friends. Yes, love like, her. Yeah, yeah. She's kind of an intoxicating person. I, I'm crazy about Nicole. Actually. In the interview, I started wondering. Wait, did you like do some like ninja, ninja like <laughs> sales technique on me to make me like you so much? <laughs> she's, anyway, she's fascinating. But she, uh, you know, as I said earlier, she used to run this big company. She has sold a lot of stuff to a lot of people, and really for us, narrowed down kind of the things you need to understand if you want to increase and do better sales at your company down into four kind of ideas. Yep. You need to understand these four ideas if you want to be good at sales and not spend an hour and a half in somebody's house vacuuming their couch without getting <laughs> <laughs> qualify your customer. Qualify those leads. Hey, do you have a dirty house and money? <laughs> there you go. Yes. That's a data point that they were missing. She talks about data points like understanding the data, focus on the data of your customer. Yeah, that was huge. That was a data point that that guy missed. Yeah, and she also <laughs> talked about really like tapping into the words that are being spoken about your company. In other words, you got to dive into customer service every once in a while, handle some of those calls or handle some of those digital feedback so you actually know. It's really, really, really good stuff. The fourth one is the one that all of us can do. I'm not going to say what it is, but yeah. all of us can do it. And it's really critical in terms of growing your company. But I don't want to belabor the point anymore, even though this conversation is equally as valuable <laughs> as the, <laughs> the conversation <laughs> with Nicole. We'll just get straight to the interview. Here is Nicole Walters. Nicole, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited. We just met today, but I feel like we've known each other a very long time. I am going to be in your house making sandwiches, Don. <laughs> we are <laughs> but best I'm friends. curious. I, this just hit me. Is it because you're such a good salesperson that you, you, you had some tactic that you're going to teach us that no. here's how I made you think we were, we're old friends? <laughs> I it's, it's because I really like you and you're actually so easy to talk to. I don't know if that's something that you do or and you also oh, have your wife see how she, you, Yeah, so. see how she flipped that, listeners? <laughs> I tried to compliment her right back at me. You should run for office. <laughs> hey, I was a poli-sci major growing up in D.C., so Were what you? could I say? Yep. Uh, uh, any inkling? You think you might one day? 
run for office yeah i don't know i feel like i could do a lot more if i run my own business and impact it just that's really more i'm more the oprah less the michelle there you <laughs> go that sort of thing there you go mm-hmm. well both doing amazing things yes okay so you used to for you spent 10 years as a sales executive in multi-billion dollar yep. corporations you've since left you have a business that we'll talk about later that really helps entrepreneurs sell their products. People who aren't inclined to go sell things, you give them some practical tips. But what I want to know about the transition. What's the story? You Because you had a lot of power. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's always funny because, gosh, it's been a crazy 14 months. So I was doing the right thing. I loved my job. I loved the company I was working with. You know, I loved the style of work. I traveled. I made, you know, a solid six figures and then some. I mean, there was nothing wrong with where I was. A lot of people would have liked right, to be yeah. there as well. But you know how sometimes God makes you so comfortable that you're kind of like, this isn't right? You know, and if mm. I'm a little, if I'm still a little unsettled, it means it's time to shift, you know? Yeah, and yeah. So, Pretty much that's what it came down to. I was just, I found that I was doing the right job for the wrong people. The skill set was right. I was almost aligned. I loved selling. I loved helping people understand options that were available. I love providing solutions. But, you know, working for a large company that may not have had a mission that was aligned with being as impactful as I'd like to be in my own legacy, yeah. uh, I knew I needed to take the skill to that. You strike me as the kind of person who likes to activate people, who likes to take somebody and make them 10 times themselves. Not change them, <laughs> but make them 10 times themselves and probably... In the healthcare industry, selling knee replacements—it's <laughs> right. just not for people. I mean, and you're right. You know, I think that part of it was I felt really removed from the people I really wanted to help yeah. because I was at a senior executive level, which meant I was going in to companies, you know, and sitting in boardrooms and talking to these bigwigs who were kind of like, "All right," but the people I really wanted to serve were the people using the insurance. The people I wanted them to be healthy and happy and whole, and so I, I was missing that connection, you know, yeah. because of where I was in my business. But you're right; I do like to get people fired up, like, yeah, yeah. and let them when you see that connection you do too don yeah you know yeah. what i mean oh, yeah, yeah. you do too when yeah. you give an answer and people click they're like don you're my guy you got this <laughs> you know more. right right <laughs> a lot of people who have what you have that's the entrepreneurial instinct they never make it as high as you did in the fortune 500 world did you know the whole time you had this entrepreneurial instinct because you're you're 14 months into running your own company it's already a million dollar company mm-hmm. it's going to go much bigger than that mm-hmm. did you know the whole time I really need to be doing this myself I should be doing this for myself it's funny that's absolutely true so growing yeah. up in Washington DC I was the daughter of a cab driver you know he was an immigrant who came to this country from Ghana West Africa and worked really really hard and my dad the goal was what I was doing you know he was like you know my daughter when you have your <laughs> own business card you have finally made it <laughs> Do you have your own office? Well, we would drive through D.C. And I mean, he would say, you know, you can either clean an office or you can have your name on an office. You know, he instilled that in you very early. Oh, absolutely. Because, I mean, I was riding around with him in a cab and we were in the front seat looking at people in the back seat wondering what was the difference. My father wanted me in the back seat. You know, he didn't want me driving. Hmm. So it was. So um, he taught you to dream big. He taught me to dream big. And he also had big standards or dreams that he that were unfulfilled for him. So um, I was his I am his 401k plan so I mean, he's like you got to do this you know we're investing in you i think he's got a pretty good 401k plan. Oh, you and i both grew up we talked earlier over lunch that mm-hmm. uh we both have stood in line for government oh, cheese yes. as a little kid oh yes understanding what that's like and i mean there were times i slept on the couch till i was 12 you know yeah, and yeah. but at the same time you know that was juxtaposed by going to school with you know chelsea clinton and al gore in elite dc private schools so how'd, I you, how'd you end up there 
Um, my dad would stand in line at federal aid places to get scholarships for me so that oh, I could get wow. into these schools yeah. because there wasn't much he understood, but he did know that America had an opportunity and he also knew the value of education. And he said, if I can get these resources in my daughter's hands with enough time, she's going to be more than I could ever be. Then that, that America gives you an opportunity. It's unlike any other. <laughs> <laughs> Too few Americans know that America I know, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> yeah, but you've got to grow up in like a village that looks like the Discovery Channel before you're like, this place is great. <laughs> yeah. Well, I want to get on to sales tips, but, yeah. uh, but I'm really curious. What do your parents say about you now? I mean, they must be like oh my gosh. busting. They, well, you would think, right? You would think, but no, no, no. <laughs> African parents. My dad's like, so you are telling me you stay home. You don't know when you are going to get paid. And and you you are unemployed. That, that is what that is. You don't work. That's so the like entrepreneurial instinct says. was more uh, nature than nurture. Oh, uh, yeah. Family. I was, I was like, no, dad, I swear it's a thing. Like, I have, like, clients and everything. I make more money now I than I do. I make more money than ever. And he's like, oh, I know this. I know this. So, well, your clients. I'm like, well, they're digital. They're virtual. He was like, so you don't have clients. <laughs> you know? It's, he gets a kick out of it. And when I quit my job, oh my gosh, like the phone call I got, because I quit my job live online. Yeah, I wanted to ask about that too. Oh, that just yeah. sounds fascinating. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I quit my job live on an app called Periscope. And yeah. it's, you know, I quit my job in front of 10,000 people. <laughs> and I did it in a classy way, you know, but it was just, it was a buildup, you know. So a couple of weeks before I was sort of sharing my story about like, gosh, I'm working in corporate and every day I'm kind of screaming at myself, get myself, get me out of here, you and know. this is your and, Periscope audience? Yeah, this is my Periscope so you, audience. So you're a social media guru too. I mean, we, we're not even going to talk well, <laughs> about that part of what you do. So, okay, let's 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 be honest about this. Don. So <laughs> whenever you're not serving exactly in your purpose, you always find little ways to serve outside of your nine to five. Right, right. So I had a little you were blog. Building that brand. I was doing things. I had a blog. It. I had an Instagram. I was, and these things came naturally because I just wanted to give answers and solutions to people yeah. beyond what I was doing in my job. Yeah. So in doing that, I landed on Periscope, and that was when I started. You know, people would ask me questions like, "Oh, you're in corporate? Well, how do I, you know, get get someone to close on a sale?" And I was like, "Oh, it's easy. Well, you do these three things." And people were like, "Okay, cool. I'll go do that." And then they would come back the next day and say, "Oh, I got three clients." And I was like, "Wait a minute." <laughs> yeah, I just gave you free advice. Yeah, charging for first that, yeah. of all, I was doing free, which is like, yep. what? And then second, I was like, oh my gosh, people need this. Mm -hmm. This is a need that I can actually help with. What am I doing every day? Yeah. So um, people are like, you, you got to do this. You got to, people are encouraging me. And finally I called my boss. I said, guys, this is the day I'm going to quit my job. I'm gonna I'm gonna call my boss up and my boss wouldn't answer the phone, right? And so finally he was I was probably watching you on Periscope. I don't know, I don't know, <laughs> I know. And finally he answered and I did it. And um Good for I you. mean, it was unbelievable. Um and it's just sort of been a whirlwind of amazing things happening ever since, like being here and yeah. on this podcast. <laughs> well, here we are fourteen months later. Your mm -hmm. your business is off to an amazing start, a seven figure start. <laughs> You're creating great resources. Mm -hmm. I want to get right to the point. Okay. I want to talk about three or four things that the average entrepreneur, so most people probably listen to our podcast, I'd say 70, 80% sub five million dollar companies. Mm -hmm. It's usually leaders or really influential folks mm -hmm. within that company. Probably a lot of them don't consider themselves salespeople. Sure. Right? They're sure. the idea person, they're the content person. They created this thing, they're running the shop. They're probably pretty good at managing people, but their sales is mostly just uh, an afterthought. <laughs> an, well, kind of an afterthought. Mm -hmm. They know they need to work on it. Mm -hmm. Help us understand what are some of the paradigm shifts? What are some of the keys that they need to process in order to become better at selling? Well, so you're completely right. A lot of people, they don't realize that part of why these 
companies become multi-billion companies is they invest in their sales department. Right. I mean, I'm working with this huge healthcare company and they're like, here's a card, go out and get that business, you know, swipe where you need to do what you got to do. They're investing because that's how you get in business. So if you don't have this as a dedicated division, if you haven't put dedicated thought towards this process, you are missing out on what's going to up level. Or you do have a dedicated division and it's your nephew. Right. And it's your nephew, right. (laughs) Who just has a great personality and was really good in football. Right, right. But there are things you can do. Absolutely. There are things you can do. So one of the first things that I like to say is don't minimize putting a focus on the data. So um, we, we get out there and we sort of talk about what we think is passionate about the product. We talk about what we think people might like about the product. Yeah. But, you know, don't hesitate to ask. Yeah, we say this all the time. You probably don't really know what value people are getting out of your product. You may think it's this, but they're getting this. Right. If you just talk about what they're thinking, mm-hmm. you get more. So how do you collect that data? What, what sort of questions do we need to ask? So what are some techniques? I love surveys. I mean, surveys are amazing to throw out to people. People like to give their opinion if you ask them. So one of the things that I've noticed, and you may have noticed this too, I'm a big Amazon junkie. I buy everything yeah. on Amazon. Uh-huh. And I notice an uptick in this behavior over time because it's effective. So what's happening is when you purchase from a company, within two to three days, you may have noticed that you got an email in your inbox that says, hey, so I hope you like the product. It should have arrived by now. And if you have any questions, feel free to leave us a five-star review or email right. us directly. Right. And you know, let us know what you liked or what you didn't like or if there's a problem or if we could fix it. And you know, from Jenny, the CEO, right? Yeah. And this didn't used to happen before at all. I mean, you'd purchase something and then it would kind of, you know, you'd fall into the abyss of the past customer. And right. if you had a complaint, where would you go? Well, you'd go to your Amazon page to leave a bad review or you'd leave two stars. Right. And now you've got these people in intervening, you know, because they are saying, okay, they know those stars matter. They know those stars matter because it helps with your filtering. It helps with your search. And I don't, if there is a problem, I want to know about it first. I don't want you to take it to Amazon publicly and leave a bad review. And furthermore, it's just a great way to find out more. If I love something, I'll tell you, I'm like, this was great. I love it. You know, it it saved my life. And I like, I just bought a grape cutter for my five-year-old. A grape cutter. It's a thing. First of all, (laughs) I told you I have an Amazon problem. banana slicer, but not the grape cutter. I have an Amazon problem. I told you, Don. A grape cutter, you know, so that my five-year-old doesn't choke on her grapes. And it's like a whole device. And I actually emailed back saying, like, I didn't know this was a thing. And I just want to let you guys know that I appreciate it. <laughs> you know, I think you've, you've saved me time. And, yeah. you know, so now they know more about, like, the usage of the product. And they can apply that mm. data to target the market to say, look, you know, here's a new mom who didn't know, you know, this was even a thing. Maybe we need to try to make this targeted with giveaways or yeah. go to a mommy conference or something to that effect. Your customers so. will give you your business plan. They Absolutely. really will. If you read... We send out a survey after anybody attends one of our workshops. Mm -hmm. We read those. We knew within three months of starting that workshop, these people really like to talk to each other. Yes. So we added dinner, cocktail hour, more community time. Absolutely. They'll tell you what they want. What sort of questions tease the right answers out of folks? Do you have any tips on what kind of questions, you know, what were you struggling with or what did you most like about the product? Sure, no, absolutely. So I'm actually really big on asking for feedback on how to refine the product because what happens Hmm. is people tend to reveal more about their usage, more about their experience, more about their utilization. So I'll say, well, did you feel like the content was too high level or how do you foresee applying this content into your business? Uh, What was your favorite module? You know, and what I found is that whenever I ask those type of questions, people will usually start off kind of answering it by saying like, 
like, I plan on using this content in order to boost my sales in my business. But what I'm really excited about is training the rest of my team. Right. And now I'm like, oh, so, you know, some people are taking this content so they can reteach it. Maybe there's a corporate training opportunity here that I need to look at. And if I get that answer enough, I'm like, wow, I need to build a team builder aspect onto yep. this because that's my next direction to go. And this is how people are using it. You're surfing it. the existing wave rather than trying to make a wave. That's exactly Got right. It. Okay. Right. So one, we need to collect data. We need to understand what people are saying. Two, we want to leverage word of mouth. And they're mm -hmm. sort of similar. Collecting data is one part, mm -hmm. but then listening to what people are saying. And you actually tap into your customer service interactions I do, I and do. answer them yourself. I do. I think every business owner, every entrepreneur gets this window, this place where you're kind of like, what's next? I don't know what to do. I feel like I'm either hitting a stalemate or I could be a little fresher or what's the next direction? And I found that oftentimes if you feel like that's what's happening, maybe you've become a little detached from your business. Maybe you've over-delegated. So you've got people answering your customer service, handling your social media. So you haven't really heard from your consumer for a while. Right. And if you haven't been able to dive in there, well, you don't know what they need. You don't know what's right. next. And so what I did was, I mean, I, I hit that point as well in my business where I was like, it's kind of time for another offering or, you know, I want to be able to speak on new topics. So what I did was I got in my customer service. I literally started answering some of my own emails and really digging in there to make sure that I knew what people wanted and I was hearing their pain points. And yeah. once I did that, it birthed new ideas. It was just fresh again. Yeah. So. Oh, that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think probably... Uh, man, maybe most of the people listening to this are not tapped into that. Oh, yeah. And I even had an interaction the other day where somebody said something about some sort of complaint that we got. And I'm like, mm -hmm. wow, that, you know, we never get complained. Yeah, I never you know? heard I that never before. Heard that. And that's pretty mm -hmm. easy to fix. Mm -hmm. All right. Number three, evolve your pitch as your company evolves. Well, first, mm -hmm. create a pitch. Right, right, which I mean, <laughs> listen to Don for this, okay? He had me evolving my pitch about five minutes ago. I was like, I could do this better. <laughs> but those pitches need to change. They do. Now, does this mean revising our website every year or what is Not necessarily, but look at your website. You know, yeah. don't set it and forget it. You know, I definitely yeah. think that it helps if you can tap an expert who can give it fresh eyes to help you refine your message to make sure it makes more sense. But mm -hmm. it's the same way that uh, your business is dynamic and changing, your sales should be dynamic and changing. So yeah. uh, if your audience is changing their usage, of your product you need to. So for here's a great example. If you look at a company like Federal Express, which is what it's called, uh, Federal Express, you know, for years went by Federal Express. Their old logo had the entire name on there. Hmm. But everybody calls it FedEx. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone yeah. calls it FedEx. And eventually, because they were paying attention and they were listening to how are people actually using our product? How are they actually interacting with our product? They changed it to FedEx, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and that is their new name. But it's it's really the abbreviation. It's what everyone calls it, you know? Right, so right. I think that oftentimes we forget that, we're you know, if we're not tapped in, if we're not listening, which is key always, but that, you know, it's important to get in there and realize some things may change in your business and you may not be the one that's dictating that. Yeah. So always go in and refine it so that that way you're speaking the language that your consumer is speaking. Yeah, and I think after you evolve your pitch is culture changes mm -hmm. and especially technology changes. So if you have a mom and pop retail store somewhere, you used to be able to say, well, we do this, you know, we this is why we're better than the competitor. Now you have to say, this is why it's better to come in physically. Oh, yes. <laughs> right? And if your pitch isn't there, people are automatically going, oh, well, I can buy that online, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. You know, so if you don't change your pitch to say, this is why you should come in physically and deal with a human being rather than go online. Mm -hmm. You just, technology just changed the culture and your pitch just. Oh yeah, it's not even, it's not even working anymore. Yeah, it's useless. It's antiquated. And, and you're confused. You're like, why isn't this working? You know what I mean? It's because yeah, you didn't get them to do the work. just don't like my thing. No, change your pitch. Right, it's not the product. <laughs> okay, I love that. Four, it's really tactical. You need to start talking to people. Oh, yes. And I can talk. And you did this. When I can we talk. met at lunch, <laughs> 
You walked in. You were asking about my wife's bangs. You're asking <laughs> where we met. You're asking him like. That's why. That's why I felt like I've known you for five oh, years, right? Josh, I know. I feel like I really do know. Everything. I'm like, I know how you met. I know when your wife cut her bangs and why she cut <laughs> her bangs. Right. Like, I mean, what is I that? I think we have a lunch appointment in February I in know, DC. It was that? She's that fast. <laughs> anyway, okay. So, but you love talking to people. You you sold the Uber driver on the way here. I you did. sold the caterer yes. in the green room. We're actually <laughs> at a Dave Ramsey conference <laughs> right. recording this interview. You talk to folks. Mm-hmm. I do, and I mean, part of that is just I like people. You know, just yeah. in general, it's it's fun for me. But um, even if you're an introvert, even if you're someone who isn't uh, inclined to automatically talk to people, if you're aligned with your divine appointment, if you're working in the job that you're supposed to be in, mm-hmm. you shouldn't be able to hold back from talking about it. I mean, people like even an introvert or someone quiet lights up when you start asking them about yeah. what it is that they do. That's yeah. if there's a natural joy that happens, mm-hmm. and you should take that joy and share it with others because what you find is that everybody could potentially be a new consumer or a new client. Yeah. So yeah. I. I'm always out there talking to people, even the Uber driver, you know, he's like, I just expected a quiet drive. But by the end of it, he's like, you know, I am more than a driver. And I could, you know, he's like, I do have other things that I'd like to do. And so I gave him my card and he's like, I'm just so excited to work with you. <laughs> I was like, well, I'm going to give you a five star review. <laughs> so it's fun. Yeah, that was a divine appointment it for was, him, right? It was. It, well, it worked for me too, because he got me here and lickety split. So <laughs> do you recommend, even back when you were in the Fortune 500 world, do you recommend a quota of people that you talk to about? whatever it is you're trying to sell every day. No, absolutely. I think it's important to cast a wide net, whether it's you or your team. And that quota can include your outreach on social media. You know, how often are we creating touch points and engaging? And social media provides a lot of analytics and data around Mm -hmm. that. Because honestly, if you find uh, as some, you know, especially brick and mortar business owners do, they're like, we didn't really talk to anyone new today. You know, we just came in, we opened up the shop, you know, we facilitated customers as they came in and that was just that. But it's like, what did you do to grow your business? What was your outreach? If you're not going out, there to actually make the business come to you yeah the model of if you build it they will come is a lie yeah it is entirely (laughs) entirely i mean unless it's like a good buffet you know with lots of lights (laughs) (laughs) other than that i don't know (laughs) you've used social media you've used facebook live you've used periscope obviously Mm -hmm. to grow your business for somebody who you know, they have a Facebook account. What are the first few steps of getting them started in doing sure, that? Because it's sure. worked really well for you. Yeah, I've been, I mean, and part of that is I, I do just love talking. So yeah. it works out well enough. But the other part is also right now, if there's additional incentive, the algorithms, the numbers behind it, it's favorable. So it's one of those things where it really does help to be an early adopter because mm. platforms like Facebook Live, they're actually pushing people's Facebook Lives into timelines of non-subscribers. So if they're not mm. even following you, they may actually see your live broadcast just because they're trying to promote the platform to increase utilization so i mean if you're not leveraging that you're really missing out but some of the initial tips is just if you're planned and prepared it makes it so much easier so i always take a couple high level bullet point notes on uh what it is that i want to talk about well i start off with an intro intro welcome and share that's like my my beginning you do an introduction hi my name is nicole walters of uh nicolewalters.tv and then a welcome Mm -hmm. i'm so excited that you're here today and i'm really glad if there's anyone new please comment below and then i ask them to share. If you find that this information may be useful for you, I encourage you to share so that we can bring in new people and continue to spread the message. So just starting off that way. And then the next bullet points that I have are really just hitting on that main core material or subject matter. And then I always have an intentional close. Mm -hmm. And that's just good old fashioned sales. There's You got to send them somewhere, continue the relationship offline. So make sure there's something intentional at the end. And if you follow that format, I mean, you can pretty much crush any broadcast or video. Two things I've noticed about you. One is there's really no separation between you and your life and what you're passionate about and your business. <laughs> Where a lot of people will go, 
well, here's who I am. I'm, I'm passionate about these things. I really like these things, but I got to go sell something in order to fund it. Right, 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 <laughs> your right, right. passion is your business. It is. I really do love what I do. Yeah. I'm, I'm blessed that way, you know. Um, I didn't realize it was so separate for so many people. I mean, <laughs> it is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I But really I think there's it. a lot of people out there who think that it should be, but it doesn't have to be. No, They not can integrate at all. those two things. Yeah, absolutely. I and mean, I try to be in places that allow me to do both, you know. Yeah. So the other thing I, I've noticed about you is that you seem to find it, well, I believe that you find it very important to connect with people. Oh, yeah rather than just sell to them. Can oh, yeah. you talk about that for a second? Because you're gifted at that. Oh, thank you. Um, gee golly, is that, is that, I don't even know if it's, I really like people. <laughs> <laughs> I really like people. Uh, so I think part of that, you know, to be completely honest, okay, since we're, because I don't know, you guys can't see Don right now, but he leaned in. He's giving me that like, <laughs> that like, I want the truth, Nicole. <laughs> That's the face I'm getting. So the truth about that is growing up really poor and, you know, sitting in the front seat of my dad's cab, you know, that was one of my ways that I learned. I, you know, my dad had a limited understanding of entrepreneurship. I'm not one of those kids who had a parent that started their own business. Right. And I'm not one of those kids that was wealthy enough to grow up and be around a lot of people that, you know, were all already doing this or had access to, well, I have a rich uncle or I, you know, I just, I didn't, the world was really small. Everyone, my dad knew were taxi drivers and that was it. So if I was afraid to talk to people, I wouldn't get the tools I needed to learn. And if I have the opportunity to stand next to Oprah or, you know, be in an elevator with Dave Ramsey, I I'm going to talk his ear off until he says, okay, you know <laughs> because on the, the worst that anyone could say to me is no. Yeah. And if, if they say no, that's fine. I'll live another day. But if they actually give me gems that I can apply to my business, if they think I'm friendly or nicer you know something you know yeah. then there's potential there that i can use that to apply to grow and possibly serve and help someone else and i, I can't pass up that opportunity so yeah. that's why i talk to everybody oh that's awesome <laughs> nicole you are just incredible you're a gift to us oh, we're thankful you so much. everybody check out nicolewalters.tv if you need any tips on selling or you want to bring this part of you or you just want to be activated by this powerful woman nicolewalters.tv Nicole, thank you so much for taking time. Thank you so much. This was awesome. I can't <laughs> believe my life right now. <laughs> okay, JJ, this is the segment that we call How'd They Do It, mm -hmm. in which we call a story brand alumni who's just rocking it, crushing yes. it, growing yeah. their business because they clarified their message. And today you talked to a, a young woman named Holly Harper of Sparkspace in Columbus, Ohio. Yeah. Is that right? Sparkspace.com. They are actually a meeting place in Columbus, Ohio, where people can get out of their workspace, go for meetings, all-day workshops, conferences, where they can come together. It's very creative. Yeah. It's inviting. It's warm. And it kind of gets the juices flowing. Yeah, sometimes you just got to go somewhere else. Yeah. We do that, but we do the probably like once a quarter, yep. right? Yeah. So that's what they do. And we actually met Holly because we met her boss first. He came through the Story Brand Workshop here in Nashville, the oh, live nice. workshop. Yeah. And he loved it so much that then he sent Holly to come and have her go through it and experience it. And Perfect. she loved it. And they've gone back and it has changed everything they've done. But my favorite thing about this interview is they did one thing to their website, just yeah. one thing based on what they learned at StoryBrand. And it increased their inquiries from their website by 300%. That's awesome. Yeah. And those stories are getting more and more common. Yeah. What I love about Holly, though, and this brand is they actually, they didn't just like clean up their website or do this. Yeah, yeah. You're going to hear a list. I mean, they put new signage on walls. They yeah, did all yeah. this kind of stuff. They incorporated their message into everything yep. that they do and are seeing radical results because of it. I think if you listen, you're going to get a lot of kind of tips and strategy and certainly inspiration, JJ, from this interview that you did with Holly Harper. I'm so glad you took time to talk to her. Yeah. Here's your interview with Holly Harper from Sparkspace in Columbus, Ohio. Hello, this is Holly. Hey, Holly, it's JJ from StoryBrand. How are you? 
Hi, good. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm like having a fangirl freak out moment over here, but I'll, I'll play it cool. I'll play it cool. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, I'm so glad. We're so glad to have you on. That's so fun. So Holly, you are with a company called Sparkspace out of Columbus, Ohio. Yep. I've been to Columbus and I know that people can get a little, speaking of fangirl, a little fangirly for um, Ohio <laughs> State football there. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. It's a real thing. It's, yeah. It's a big deal. <laughs> yeah. And my ducks this year, my Oregon ducks are not doing so well. And you guys were doing great and we won't bring up a oh, little something that sure. happened a couple, That's like it. last week. So, <laughs> yeah. but I'm sure yeah, you guys we'll are see. like the most loyal fans ever. So uh, everybody's going to be. Yeah. We're pretty hardcore. Yeah. So. Holly, tell me a little bit about Sparkspace. What do you guys do? Yeah, um, actually, I will start by asking you this, JJ, okay. <laughs> and that is, <laughs> have you ever been in a really boring meeting? I'm sure never at StoryBrand, yes. maybe a job before that. Yes, it's a terrible feeling. You're kind of like trapped in a conference room, maybe with the bare white walls, the yeah. clock is ticking, and you you just feel like you're not getting work done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So like you said, I work for a company called Sparkspace, and we are a creative venue for business meetings. Oh, nice. And we're unique in that our meeting spaces, so our meeting rooms, they're designed so that you feel excited and engaged the moment you walk in the door. Mm. And the thought behind that is like, if you're actually excited to be there, yeah. <laughs> what a concept. Yeah. But yeah. if you're excited to be there, that's when you're excited to be with your team and you're going to collaborate more and you're going to actually get work done. Yeah. So that is, that's who we are. Oh, that's fantastic. That's really cool. Yeah. I end up because I travel around and do private workshops with companies all over the country we get to be in some, I'll just say interesting locations sometimes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so yep. I know the difference that that makes when you can have a creative space where people can kind of feel energized and awake and alive and mm-hmm. collaborate. And so that's pretty awesome. So yeah. you came to the live workshop in Nashville, right? Yes, in September. The owner of our company came the year before to a live workshop. Oh, okay, so, so he, he came last one, year and then you came this year. Yeah, he was the one really championing for me to go. So that was an awesome opportunity to go this year. I loved it. Oh, so fun. So what would you say was the drive to go to StoryBrand? What kind of problems were you facing that made you want to come to StoryBrand? Oh my goodness, all the things. All, <laughs> all the things, JJ. <laughs> Well, I mean, the, one of the main drivers was that um, my role at Sparkspace, I'm our marketing department. I'm, I'm a team of one. Uh-huh. Um, so it was right up my alley in general. But really, there were two things that were on my mind. And that was, one, I knew we weren't speaking to our customer in the right way, but mm-hmm. I just like, couldn't quite put my finger on it. Yeah. And what we were doing was we were really talking a lot about, hey, we have this different venue and here's how we're different. And really talking a lot about our features and trying mm. to make people understand how we are different. Yeah. Yep. But what was missing from that equation and what I'm sure we'll talk about later is like, we weren't talking about our customer at all. We were just yeah. talking about us. <laughs> yeah. But I, yeah. I just, I, I kind of felt something was off and something was falling flat and I couldn't put my finger on it. And then the second thing, it's not really much of a, a problem as it is just a reality. And that is we're a small business Yep. and I'm sure that, you can relate and a lot of your listeners can relate too, but when you're a small business, you have small staff. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's, it's real. It's a real thing. And you have to be really 
intentional with how you spend your time every day. And I was just kind of starting to feel like a rat in a wheel. There was a lot to do, feeling a little overwhelmed. And I was like, I need some direction. Like, how do I really make the time that I spend every day on marketing Sparkspace? How do I make that have an impact? And how do I gain traction? That was a bigger, that was a bigger journey for me. Well, yeah, I worked in public relations for a number of years and you sit down, you're like, all right, we've got to sell this. We've got to write an email and you're staring at a blank page and don't know where to start. Mm -hmm. And you end up wasting so much time because you're like, well, what are we going to say this time? And how is it going to be different? And Mm -hmm. I have felt that many, many times just kind of sitting there and going, ugh. What am I going to write? And it's daunting. Oh, yes. It's really daunting. Oh, uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. A blank page is one of the scariest things I've ever faced. So you were kind of experiencing all of that and you come to StoryBrand and then what really shifted for you? What were some of the paradigm shifts for you? What did you get out of it? Uh, my world was rocked. Uh, I will say that first of all. <laughs> well, that's good. Um, my world was totally rocked. Um, I think it, w- it was on the first day in the morning you know, I got my coffee, I got all settled into my spot. And then Don starts speaking. And I'm so captivated that my coffee went cold, like I didn't touch it all morning. (laughs) And that is, that is unheard of for me. Uh I'm a coffee fiend. Mm. So to like be so into something and not drink my coffee, that's my customer testimonial right there. I Um, love it. (laughs) But no, I think the biggest thing for me was the simplify Mm -hmm. concept that we talked about the entire workshop. And that's in everything that you guys do, but really focusing in on it in the workshop. And the most impactful moment that illustrated that was when Don brought up a website that was pre-story brand framework and then post-story brand framework. And what stood out to me, because at this point when he showed it, we've been talking a lot about the framework. and, And what stood out was the edits that were applied were not big edits, yeah. you know. It was like a copy tweak here, a move of a button on the website here, a, a, new, a new image here. Yeah, it wasn't a huge website overhaul. It wasn't like all these creative assets had to be reproduced and created. Yeah, yeah. It was really simple things. But when you put all those simple story brand edits together, it was powerful. And to see it up on the screen all come together, it was just it was a wow moment. That's when the light bulb went off for me. Yeah, I love that example because you can take just a little bit of information. You don't need to redo your whole website or totally redo your logo or anything, hire a brand new creative Mm -hmm. web person. You can just take a few little things and you can Mm -hmm. take that and just directly apply it to your marketing right after you leave. That's awesome. So what actually did change for you when you went back? What did you change in your marketing materials? Yeah, I will actually um, bring up the owner of our company, Mark, who went last year. Um, Mm -hmm. He did the most immediate impact change when he got back, and that was putting our call to action button on the homepage of our website, top right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Making that that real. Uh Yeah, yeah. And um, just that alone, that button is what people use to reserve a room, and that has tripled our um, lead generation on the oh, website. Oh my tripled. goodness. <laughs> so before... I have to say it, it again. Yeah. I have to say it because I just don't believe it. That's amazing. Literally one button, you change one button on your website mm-hmm. and it tripled the amount of inquiries for you. Yep. Oh yep. And there's no signs of it slowing down. When we look at our website data, that form is just continues to blow up on the website. So... That is great. That was probably the most impactful thing we did and really the simplest thing we did too, which is kind of funny. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But for me, um, 
when I came back um, in September from the live workshop, there are a lot of things in the works now, but I will say that it has impacted all of our marketing plans from our email strategy, our social media strategy, um, the print collateral that we have hanging in the actual space. This framework is everywhere. Yeah. Um, and one thing that I love too in the uh, live workshop, we got that checklist at the end to mm-hmm. go through and make sure that you're incorporating story brand into different areas of your business. Yeah. That really helped keep me organized. So that's been great. Love it. Cause yeah, it's not just about your website, which that's like a huge thing, but it's about kind of, it can impact everything. Oh, that's so fun. Yeah. Well then, uh, you know, the next question I was going to ask you is what kind of practical tips would you give, but you kind of just gave like what I would say is like the most practical, Hey people, Put a buy now button on your webpage. Put a button on it. Yeah, there needs to be a shirt. Put a button on it. Put a button on it. Yeah. Oh, that's great merchandising. We need to create, put a button on it, podcast t-shirts or something. Oh, I love that. So you mentioned that even the story brand process impacted things that are in your space. Yeah. Talk about that. Like, what did you put in SparkSpace based on what you experienced at StoryBrand? Yeah. So in SparkSpace, we changed really how we were marketing the people once they were in there. So our, our in-store signage, if you will, but we have, um, we had posters that were kind of like, Hey, here's upcoming events. It, it was just bland. And then after story brand, we changed all of that to be coming at people from the guide perspective. And we use a little bit of humor too, because it's a, it's a fun, creative space. And yeah. our, our marketing wasn't really reflecting that it, you know, on the voice of that too. So coming at it written from the guide perspective to really grab their attention and connect with them on an emotional level when they were visiting us. That is fantastic. I love that. And people can actually do that. A lot of times they think, oh, our marketing is about getting people in the door. But once people are in the door, mm-hmm. you can actually continue speaking to them through yeah. the printed materials you have that you give out to them, brochures, posters on the wall, and you can continue to engage and show how you're not just the guide to their hero before they get there, but actually once they're there, they can continue involvement with you. So that's fantastic. Well said. That's what I meant to say, JJ. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, you were great. Well, Holly, thank you so much again for our listeners. This is sparkspace.com. So Holly, thank you so much for being with us today. And thanks for the great tips for our listeners. Great. Thank you, JJ. Bye-bye. Well, that's awesome. I mean, just I love that they incorporated it into their whole brand. Yeah. And did so much with it. But that one thing, putting a buy now button, yes. what we call in story brand language a direct call to action on the yeah. website, saw a significant increase in inquiries. Yeah. And of course, that leads to business. Listen, if you learned anything from that, I've got three five minute videos that are going to really help you understand what all needs to be on your website in order to convert browsers to buyers. You can watch these videos at 5minutemarketingmakeover.com. Just go to 5minutemarketingmakeover.com. Either spell it out or just use the numeral 5minutemarketingmakeover.com and you will get a lot more tips. I mean, literally just watch the videos, look at your website, make a few simple changes and just watch what happens. It's going to be significant. I promise. JJ, this has been a wonderful episode. Yeah, it's so fun. It's been delightful. Hey, I do have one more thing, if you don't mind. Yeah. Uh, there's a, a Catholic church down the street that, <laughs> that Betsy and I have been going to, and it's called the uh, Union of the Gospel Light of, mm-hmm. of Jesus, Virgin mm-hmm. Mary uh, Catholic Church, and uh-huh. they're having a raffle. Really? They are. I'm curious as to whether you would want to buy a raffle ticket from me. You could win yeah. a television and a, a Humvee. A te- yeah, I'm in. <laughs> For a dollar. I'm in. Yeah, here, give it. You just hand it to me. I got it. No, JJ. No, why don't you believe me? <laughs> Throw him on the floor. Oh, don't worry. 
I got this. <laughs> Actually works pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> Does it get dog hair? Mm-hmm. Can you come over here? Yeah, I'll be right here. Here, get this. Yep. <laughs> well, listen, while JJ is cleaning up, <laughs> I want to remind you that music from this episode is from the album Black Bear by Andrew Bell, which you can listen. Actually, JJ, if you just yep. write the couch cushion. Over there? Yeah, yeah I got just it. Under the, I'll flip the cushion. You can listen to the album on Spotify or download it on iTunes. Thanks, as always, for listening to the Building a Story Brand podcast, where we believe if you confuse, you'll lose. Noise is the enemy, <laughs> and creating a clear message is the best way to grow your business. It gets spider webs. I'd pay 500 bucks for this. I really would. I can't believe it took you this long to actually get it. I know. It. It's and who'd you buy it from? Magical. You probably didn't even buy it from the magical. same guy. Magical. <laughs>